What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode. Um, today, we start off with uh, why we think musical artists in our time today either survive or die off. Uh, so we get a little deep dive in kind of present-day music, uh, what we like, don't, don't like, and, and how we think they can really uh, advance themselves to, to stay alive in the game. Uh, then we explore what it means to maximize value of being in the present moment um, and most important thing that we give up uh, with regard to being on our phones all the time. We're always looking down. We're always um, ignoring the people around us that we're supposed to be engaged with, but we're engaged elsewhere. And so it's really uh, understanding what we're losing when we do that. Uh, there, Some people say, oh, you should do what you want to do. Well, then go hang out with who you're texting or, or don't hang out with people and, and go be on your phone somewhere else so before i get in any more of a rant i'm gonna leave it there Save that for the episode yeah baby. but but we get into it be tim right. what else we got brother yeah have have any of you ever been in a situation where you wish you could make a bigger impact at your company uh want to make a bigger difference uh want to be able to make some type of positive change that stands out Slager and I are going to get into a really good, important conversation about what it takes to be indispensable what, and, what? and what you can do to make yourself valuable in a field and at a time where rapid, tech, rapid technological change. People need to stand out. You need to market yourself. And we're going to give you three things that you can do to make a difference at your company today or in any team you're working with. We, we, we tell you what it means to, to be that linchpin, to be that unique team member that you can be and have some type of uh, influence on your situation, on your company. Then we, uh, we talk a little bit about breathing and, uh, and posture in general. I work as a rehab and exercise therapist in a chiropractor's office. So we talk uh, proper breathing, um, in particular diaphragmatic breathing and posture and the importance of having uh, good posture, good uniform spine, um, and things of that nature. Tim, what, uh, what do we end on with? Excuse me, I'm, I'm practicing my diaphragmatic breathing as you speak. Oh, so. there you go. You're getting all four quadrants filled yeah. with there, big yeah. boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to end the, end the episode on a very, very important topic that kind of touches home to, to me, to a lot of people. It's a heavy out, hitter. Yeah. Go, coming out of college where maybe you're in a situation where you're in a completely new environment, new job, uh, new city, um, and steps you can take to, to really adjust to a new environment because I know there can be difficulty sometimes adjusting to a new situation and we kind of we talk about like you know that it's real it happens to everybody and there's things that you can definitely do to keep yourself alive and at the happiest peak uh, even in a new situation that may seem uh, like you're unsure about it so uh, definitely tune in for that part and we're excited to to, to have you guys on this episode and, and, and be with us and listen with us so we appreciate your time uh, thank you for joining us thank you very much everybody uh, we hope you like it and uh, here we are you ever wonder, like, the kind of music our kids are and are not going to listen to? Like, people like the Eagles? Like, you know, I'm going to force my kids to have appreciation for, for people like the Eagles, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. Yeah, timeless like groups. Like, B.B. King, Steve Ray Vaughan, like, Jimmy Hunter. Like, I'm going to make them listen to that kind of music. They need to know. They need to be well-rounded. Like, like, I was just listening to the radio in someone's to. car the other day, and it's just like, some is just painful. You know, like, it's just, oh, it's not real music. Some of it. Yeah. A lot of good stuff still. I'm not trying to say it's all bad. What do you think is going to be the biggest influence of music in the future? Like, how do you think it's going to be different? Like, what part of it, I guess? I mean, it's the, always changing. The, like, look at it now. Like, like so the technology behind it? I think that's already pretty far, like, along. It's pretty well, well done. I think it's 
you're gonna see artists that play off trends. Like for example, um, uh, socially, like or politically, you're gonna see artists that fuel off stuff like that. But when that burns out, they might not have as much good things to say or as uh, as many songs or albums coming out. I think there's really good artists that yeah they can incorporate those things, but also artists that talk about other real life things and are just better uh, able to resonate with people. So I think of like uh, someone who does that, like J. Cole. He talks about like stuff going on in the world, then talks about real life scenarios that resonates with a lot of different people, but had those songs also when, you know, like shit wasn't hitting the fan with whatever um, there may be going on at that time. Like, mm -hmm. like I said, socially, polit politically, environmentally, whatever but he can incorporate those things, but still have plenty of material of just like real life stuff. And he's just a smart, smart dude and a really good lyricist. Mm -hmm. So I think you're gonna see that kind of weed out. Like there's people who just make songs that really have no substance to them that are catchy and trendy, but then that's all they write on. Yeah. So I think what's gonna change that is just, you have to be a smarter writer and musician and artist in general than somebody else like you can't just keep throwing random things and hope it sticks like it only gets you so far yeah. and playing off the trends only gets you so far too yeah. so it's like you have to be smarter about it and i think right now there's just a lot of popular hip-hop with no substance and eventually it's going to die out yeah and i think I, that's my hope anyway it's my hope that like the smartest stuff gets through right i think at the end of the day music is a way of marketing yourself i think a lot of time like that's going to be the nature of the marketplace, like on Instagram, on social medias, like the people who come from the bottom, they're the people that write about their own life. It's, it's the, it's a way, it's a platform for someone to express themselves and they connect with other people better. Yeah. And the people who can relate the best and market themselves the best through their music are going to be the ones that come out on top because those are the people that can relate to real life experiences that they went through and communicate it the best. Cause like everything's going to be, like, I mean, you've seen it. Everything's on Instagram. That's how people get their music out. The people who aren't big yet. So I think it's just more important. I think those are the people that are going to survive. The people that market themselves the best through their music, like in the future. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. As attention, because you need people's attention. Like it's like attention is limited. So yeah. you want, you want to get people's attention. So, and their attention is always to the phone first. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. That's really smart. I like that. Um, speaking of Instagram, uh, also, it's funny when you go to like concerts or things like that, where, and I know we've talked about it before, people not only just recording like the whole song that's their favorite, but like overdoing it just for the sake of the social media, like to show off like, this is what I did, this is what I was with, I had a good time. Like, yeah, I like to take pictures too and like post things like that are meaningful, but I just think sometimes it's overkill and it's like too much living your experience through your phone, mm -hmm. you know, like whether you're with people on a date, like you keep texting other people or you're constantly on, it's like, how about you enjoy it, put it away. Like people like, I've had people come up to me like, oh, hey, I texted you. I was like, well, I'm with people yeah, and I'm at a concert and I'm trying to enjoy it because I like who I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, no, I'm not always on my phone like every once in a while, yeah. But I don't know, just kind of, I worry about people losing out on some of the experience or even just like. The unique experiences. Yes. 
You can be on your phone in your fucking bed. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm not saying never be on your phone. I I'm know, saying like, but I'm saying like... When you're with special people, the people that are special to you and you're doing a certain special event, occasion, whatever, it's just like, yeah, get that picture, like all you together, that's good for memories. Yeah, yeah put it on the Instagram, for sure. Just like call it a day. Yeah. Think how much value you lose out of whatever you're doing by being on your phone. Because I know at the end of the day, you're either investing your time and or you're investing your money whether you're going to a concert. Cause think about it, if I'm spending time with you, I'm not paying money to spend time with you, but I'm investing time, which is kind of the same thing. Right. Like you're not really paying money, but you're, you're spending time, you're like spending something. You made plans to hang out with yeah. me in person. Yeah, so if, am I getting the full value out of hanging out with some someone smart like you if I spend a substantial, not, you can spend oh, a little bit of time. Oh, thank you by but, the way. Yeah. You slid that comment in there <laughs> yeah. really sly. No, I'm just saying like every, well, I mean, not just you, everybody. Like, everybody has something to offer. Every con, just like a concert offers enjoyment, every imp- person offers value, stuff that you can learn from and connect with on an emotional level that can help you. Sure. So that's sacrificed by being on your phone an excessive amount. You ever wonder, like, Damn. the typical person who, like, goes to a concert, just the percentage of time they spend on their phone and just think about the money they're losing by not getting the full value out of their ticket. <laughs> no, I've not thought of it to that depth, but that that's pretty though? wild. Or just, or how much time people just that's really interesting. take away from what they're actually there for. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's like time or money. spent the money to spend time on your phone, which yeah. you already do. Cause time is money at the end of the day, man. Oh, yeah. If Always. I'm going, if I'm going out to have lunch with, with, with Jim McKnight, a networking lunch, oh, a legend, am I gonna, a living legend. Am I going to spend time on my phone during that lunch? <laughs> no. Hell no, I'm not like, <laughs> Like you better be dying. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> that sounds bad, but yeah, the drift, catching the drift. Time is money. I never thought about losing that time with the money of the concert ticket though. That's such a good example. Yeah. Wow. You got the bar rolling on that one. Good job. Okay. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Yeah. Just look at it next time. I, I don't look at it to that depth, but next time you're with someone. It'll or- be in my mind now that you brought it up. Like, if you're with someone, like, I understand the more time you spend with someone, like, if you're spending time with your wife or girlfriend, yeah. like, it's going to go to a point where you, you spend enough time with them where it's okay to kind of just do your own thing and be on your phone because you're with them all the time. Mm-hmm. But that goes, that goes back to that friendship equation from that one book I read from. The more time you spend with someone, the less it means to be with them, I guess. Gotcha. Just from a time continuum. Yeah. So I guess, like, the people you... Like the unique, that goes back to the unique thing, unique experiences. You got to really take advantage of that small bit of time you have, the intensity of, the, of it. The intensity oh, goes away gold. if you're on your phone. Yeah. I'm going to find it when we talk about book notes, but it's called the friendship equation. It speaks to that, like okay. the type of interaction like you'll have with someone based on how well you know them. I like but, that. And it's still like if you're with someone in person, that's the most important person in the room, you yeah. know, because you're with them in person. So yep. like if you're texting somebody else, I can see like if it's like your parents, or like, mm-hmm. you know, if there's like, if you and me are working on a business thing, but I'm with like someone, like if I'm with Christina or something, I'll be like, oh, it's Tim. Like, I just need to answer this. Like that's, you know, but if you're just constantly on your phone, texting, texting, text, it's like, they're obviously a little more important mm-hmm. if you're with someone in person. I don't know. I had a basketball coach explain it to me that way though. Yeah. I don't know if I've talked about it on the show, but there was one time when I played travel basketball, um, like grade school-ish, leading into high school, that kind of time frame. We were at his house, so his son played too, but we are at his house, big group of us, and 
handful of us were listening to him tell some story, you know, where like the parent starts getting on a, a story yeah. and it's just like, but it's hysterical. Yeah. And so he's telling a story and he's like, Hey you. And like, we all kind of look like, who's he talking to? You know, didn't know, didn't know all the names. And it was this girl and she was like a few seats away from me and she's down on her phone and she's texting. He goes, Hey, you text on the phone. And like, she finally kind of looks up and looks around and realizes he's talking to her. And she goes, Oh, sorry. What? And he's like, I'm telling a story. He goes, who are you texting? That's more important than me. You're with me. We're in person. I should be the most important person in the room right now. If you're texting someone else, go be with that person if they're so important. Yeah. And I'll just like, deal. Yeah, he called. I, yeah, that'd be like harsh, <laughs> like that shook. young, but you know, what? Shook. Like, but look at it now. Like it stayed with me that whole time. And that was between grades. What? Like fifth through eight or sixth through eight, whatever that was like. Mm -hmm. So harsh. Yeah. But like what she, real, real what as shit. Her, what, do you remember her reaction to that? What happened? She stopped texting. <laughs> <laughs> he continued his story and that was it. Damn right. She better. That shit better be an emergency. I was like, man, well, well said. Yeah. So I was like, you know, there's always those exceptions, you know, but so the consistency of it, like, or it's majority of the time when you're on your phone, it's like, just try to avoid that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Need, and the need to be connected with literally everybody in the yeah. world at once. Just, it's, it's overused, but just live in the present. Just be present with people and things. Yeah. Just, you know, enjoy it. True. But uh, anyway, you, uh, you mentioned book talk, so I say let's, uh, let's get into some book talk. All right. Uh, what, uh, what you reading? I know you're probably um, in a few different well, things, but what, what I'm reading uh, right now is how to get a meeting with anybody. But the one, the one I want to talk about for book talk today was uh, how to swim with the sharks uh, by Harvey McKay. It goes okay. into different things like salesmanship, uh, management, self-improvement. He goes in a little spiel at the end of the book about advice we can give to the next generation. It's kind of an old book. It's It was written in like the eighties or nineties, but it's one of those books that has timeless principles in it. Okay. And he kind of like gives, that. yeah. And one thing he said that I liked, uh, damn, it, like, cause, like, when you read something in an old book and it's still true today, you know it's fucking true. <laughs> <laughs> what he said, no, what he said was, jobs will change over time, given with technology, whatever the the new technological advancements will be. Jobs will change, so will the skills needed to perform them, and so will the need for them. So the best thing you can do today is always train yourself to be indispensable uh, and market yourself. Whatever you can do to market yourself in any way possible to make yourself different, that's going to be timeless as, as, as time goes on. Because like you said, jobs change, the types of skills will be needed for them. Like people who are doing jobs today may be done by a computer 15 years from now. So it's important for yourself as a person to be adaptable to things like that and market yourself as someone who can change in times like that and not be one dimensional. You know what I'm saying? Cause it, like you said, like the skills, skills for these jobs change too. So, so you, so yes. And you also talked about being indispensable, like marketing yourself. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do that. Have you found or thought or think there is a way of how you can become indispensable? find skills that are applicable to any type of job. So how, and, and strictly to, making sure you yeah. do that better than everyone else. Yeah, so then no, how do you, not, not better, not better because then you need be, to become be a, be a point where whatever organization or unit 
you're working for, whether you're whether you're starting a business with a team or a, co- a company, that company needs you. Without yeah. you, w- without you, right. they can't grow like they have been with you there. Okay. So be that be that person that's going to grow leaders around the person who looks at everybody around them and wants them to be better than their own self by helping them with their own skills. Those are the people, the servant leaders, those are the people that are indispensable. Those are the people that can lead others and solve problems in an organization that no one else can. Okay. They're problem solvers. Right. So let's, let's They're people that take things how they are and they make them better. Okay. So let's put that in like real true form of the just average. So like roles you and I were in, whereas like kind of like mm-hmm. a cube farm for lack of a better word. Right. For people who are, yeah. Like, you know, you, you have a, your cubicle, you go, you do, you work every day. There's X amount of people of you in the department. Mm-hmm. There's so many, uh, let's say an analyst or whatever it is. Right. And there's the boss above you who has the team, their manager, their boss, and then like the director or whatever. Let's for, for the sake of, of argument here, what do those people need to do to show that they are, um, I'd say, let's go more indispensable than everybody else. Right. If it's like all, everyone's doing kind of the similar thing, you know, it's, there's differences with each person's, you know, client or, you know, who they work with and for, but how do those people, if it's all kind of similar, how do they show like, okay, I'm indispensable. You need me. And then they get in those spots where actually things will fall apart without them. That's a great question. So if you're in a position like that, you're trying to make your company better. You can do it one of three ways. You can... First of all, you got to you got to take a look at a current process that that company has in place, whether it's a process, a rule, a way of doing something for the company, like a job, and make it better. Like take something that they have there, and make it better, which in turn either does one of three things for the company: it makes them more money, it cuts costs, or it saves time. Because at the end of the day, time is money. So if you're in a position where, like for me, I worked in group finance. I worked in a position where we weren't a revenue generating portion of the company. We reported stuff. Like I wasn't out there selling product and making money for the company. Right. I couldn't do that in my job there. But what I could do, the third one I mentioned a minute ago was save time. At the end of the day, if you're in a position where you can save your manager, your team, the next person who does your own job time, if you can save them time, that is indispensable in my opinion. Okay. On a bigger scale, if you're in a position where you're, you're in a sales position and can think of a better way to make more money for the company, whether it's selling a certain product a different way, being more empathetic with a customer, do that. But if you're in a job where you're not really at that, we don't really see that you're not the sales portion. You're kind of like doing more clerical work or behind the scenes work, find a way to save time for your team. Like look at something like a process they do to, to run some type of report, like, and look at it and be like, Hey, you can skip this step and do this. You can save 30 minutes on this. What could you do with that 30 minutes to be more productive in something else? Those people that can look at the current process and, and see at the end of the day, like rules and processes were made by people. So who says we can't make them better? We're people too. <laughs> wow. So that's the biggest thing with that. Wow. Do make more money for your company. Look at a current process and make it better and make more money for your company, cut costs for your company or save time. So you can use time in a more productive way. I think that's what defines indispensable. Rewind that a couple minutes and, <laughs> and listen to that again. Yeah, listen to that one. Rewind that one. I'm not even joking. That was, that was just hitting it on the head. That Don't was good. I like that. Thank you for that. 
No, thank you for the question. Fire. Oh. Wouldn't have been that good of an answer if it wasn't a good question. So you ready to just bail now and on that <laughs> call it a day? Yeah, I'm out of here, man. Um, what do you think about that? Would you wow. Would you second that based on your experiences? Ab- absolutely. I mean, and to kind of play devil's advocate again, only because I dealt with it, is I did see flaws in some of the the ways we did things to where certain tenants of mine would ask for the same type of backup every month with certain packets of whether it's um, statements or certain billings or, you know, if it was something along those lines to where they got a few different sheets in their packet showing, okay, this was real estate taxes or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. It was consistent across the board, especially with when I had corporate professionals, they would ask, okay, I need this backup and this backup every month. And I tried to go to both the bosses I had during my time there at Simon and was like, Hey, could we talk to whoever is in charge of, um, making sure that they get X number of items or these things on the list? Is there a way to add this and this in there? Because how you want to file things with emails and everything's in, in writing, you know, that's very strict. Everything has to be in writing. So you have like this email for this, a separate one for something else that you need, you know, so it gets Mm -hmm. pretty tedious, but it's everyone understands because it's all in writing and it's able, it's better to organize it that way. Yeah. And so you'd get 40, 60 emails asking for the same thing for different locations of stores. Oh my God. I worked for uh, Simon property group for those um, that hadn't known prior. And I was an AR analyst and had tenants in malls. So when I refer to stores, we're in retail. And so I'd be like, how, how can we just add this in there to make it faster and save everyone out on the floor a time? Like to me doing those same, you know, however many it is, 40, 50 requests per month, that's how much time taken away from everything else that we had to do, which your, your list was endless. You, mm-hmm. you were never quote unquote caught up, mm-hmm. which mentally you get, had to get used to that. Um, but and I would get the, okay, well, I'm not sure, but I can bring this up to, to so-and-so, whether it be our director or whoever, and you know, I can bring it up and see, you know what that means. It's a soft bring up with no backbone to yeah. it, and just it's just not it, gonna happen. It to it's the not side. gonna happen. Yeah. But I'm glad you were able to actually save some time, but doing just small things like that, like I, I like your, really like your advice, and it's tough if like the people above them won't yeah. help try it like just try it mm-hmm. but i really like where you went with that that was yeah that was good yeah and, and hopefully more people will be, will be able to do at least one of those three things right. hopefully they have more open-mindedness in their environment right. yeah and i think what what's a bit what's a number one priority for you yourself may not be the same priority for someone above you so i think the biggest challenge in that is go with go to them with a reason why you want to change it and how it's going to benefit the company as a whole have some backbone to it and if you can relate it to their position relate how what you're proposing is kind of going to help them out in a way they may may not see everyone's self-interested to some degree people want to people want to make sure their job is easier or their job is more fulfilling or their job is better so you got almost got to know who you're talking to i guess that's a good point yeah and kind of Sometimes it's tough because they may not be directly affected, but kind of, I guess, see it from their lens and see what their stake in it would be. Right. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. Because yeah. if you have a boss, 
You're there to right. help make them look good too. Yeah. Yeah. Right like, on. Hey, if we, we would have more time to devote to this, if we did this, if we cut got over it. here. Yeah. That's a good, good point to add on to that. I like that. For sure, bro. Um, wow. Book talk is off to a real good start. Yes. I love book <laughs> talk, man. It's my, it's my favorite segment. Um, so I'm reading this one. We got a new new chiropractor in the office, and he gave me this one. It's called True to Form by Dr. Eric Goodman. And he it's actually forwarded by Chris Hemsworth. So he has like maybe a couple pages to where he, he talks about how it actually helped him when training with Thor. He said there are times it was hard for him to pick up the hammer without like the quote-unquote Hollywood magic, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it was learning how to train functionally and properly with how the human body is made up and designed to work. And then he was able to move past his, his plateaus. And so with functional movement, they talk about forward head and shoulders. So most commonly, I mean, I still have it. I'm still trying to straighten myself back out, but leaned over uh, desk and computer screen, you know, you get close, you're hunched over. Like that's how we start to get stuck in those positions where your your shoulders are rounded forward, your head is for in this forward ca- carriage, and so this book starts off with exactly that, and um, it, it's pretty interesting because it also gets into diaphragmatic breathing. So mm. breathing through your diaphragm. So in other words, breathing out, pushing your your stomach out as you inhale instead of breathing up so like i used to be a big upward breather if you told me to take Mm -hmm. a deep breath i would breathe up rather than out but when we get this forward head and shoulders and talks about that in the book we get restricted in our breathing and so that inhibits breathing as well but when we have good posture and we breathe through our diaphragm we get a a more uh, a fuller fuller breath of air if you will so so like the diaphragm more air comes up through your mouth if you well you have better breathing through your diaphragm than just up yeah. It's like I had shorter breaths. Damn, and dude. So, I would have never even thought about that. Yeah. So if, but it's big. And I have to think it's about air. breathing breathing <laughs> out still if I'm working, like, still at a computer. I have to think about breathing through my diaphragm. It's better breathing. So think of it as, like, a balloon. Like, your diaphragm is our balloon of stability. It's like the foundation for your home. So when you have that trunk stability there, the abdominal wall helps protect the spine. But when you're stable, think of it... Um, when I explain to patients, think of it if you're doing a type of shoulder press mm-hmm. to where your shoulder is externally rotated in the most dangerous, most compromising position. If that shoulder isn't packed, not driven by uh, the muscles surrounding that and scapula and those, those kind of supporting muscles there, and if you're not stable through your trunk, and so for lack of a better word, if your trunk is kind of like squishy and you can just like squish it and it's not kind of stable like a rock solid foundation there and you start to go up with weight you're in the most dangerous most compromising position for your shoulder and you have now you have weight above your head with it you're gonna hurt something something's gonna go the wrong direction you're not with a packed shoulder you're not stable through your trunk so your house is on a weak foundation at that point yeah so that's the most like vivid and harshest harshest example i can give but well, that's makes it where, clear. It that's where breathing through your diaphragm, we call it trunk stability. And then when you, you completely are filled through there, then you have your brace, your ab- abdominal brace. And then mm-hmm. you work on breathing, inhaling and exhaling while you're still bracing for the terms of exercise, whatever you're doing. So it's, I, it gets pretty, I can obviously Posture's talk about big, this. Man. Yeah. I can obviously talk about this for a long, long time, but it's, it gets into that, which I started to just eat it up because I talk about that kind of stuff 
every single day at work. Yeah. And so it's, it's just something that kind of gets skipped over and think about for aesthetically, it looks better if we breathe up and not push our stomach out when mm -hmm. we breathe. Mm -hmm. It just looks better. And so that's part of it too. Yeah. Think of like bodybuilding, you know, you're, you're up and you're vacuumed in, you know, maybe, maybe there are some of them that train di with diaphragmatic breathing and they're able to do that for the show. Maybe, you know, I'm not saying they're all breathing incorrectly, but uh, yeah, it looks good. So yeah. So what, so is there like, for people that don't know how to do that, like diaphragmatic breathing, like what, how do you practice that? Like, okay. Like, so like what's, Kind it's of gonna give like be, a brief like dummy one oh one. Sure. Like, it's gonna be really hard for me to because yeah. I take people through exercise and movements to help train that too. Right. But for the sake of, you know, it's a podcast, we can't really always show everything. True. But it, say you're laying down on, on your bed or your couch, or whatever, make a C with, with one hand and uh, really grab it on your waist, so in between your pelvis and ribcage. Okay. Uh, that section there. With the other hand, put it flat on top of your sternum. Okay. And start to take deep breaths, just how you normally would. Okay. See which hand moves. So oh, oftentimes, so the C or the hand on your stomach. Yeah. So are are you breathing? Is your bottom hand being filled out, or is your top hand rising and falling? Okay. So the goal we want the bottom hand around your waist. We want that to fill out. So more. Yes, you want okay. that to fill out, that and you want sense. your top hand to st to not move. You want it to stay still. That's okay. the eventual goal. Gotcha. So if it helps, think about breathing your back into the floor or your back into your bed or something. If you want to practice while you're in your car at a stoplight, think about breathing your back into the seat. Oh. And so that, it sounds really weird, but I use that cue all the time yeah. because then it enforces good full contact between that surface and your back. Damn. Then So you okay. have four quadrants of air that are filling. You have... Um, one on each side and the front and back. So we refer to four quadrants. So I'll actually feel people breathe and I can feel if one is lacking, like I need more here, breathe your back into the table and then it, there it goes and then they're stable. So there's a lot that goes into just yeah. small things like that. So that's one way to test yourself and see how you're breathing and what's actually moving. And so that's a simple way. That's how I start with, with everyone. I, I need to see how they breathe and then I feel how they breathe as well. And then we start movements to help train that. Okay. So one thing I've told people like how you've probably done where you're laying on your back and you're doing straight leg raises for your, for abs. And if you've ever had, um, work being driven through your quads and hip flexors, as well as your abs, like I used to have, I would feel my quads, my hip flexors all f on fire as well as my abs when I would do those. But I was also not breathing diaphragmatically. So like, you know, it's like arching in the back, but then like my legs were super tired. Hip flexors doing all the work. Cause now if I try them, I have full uh, filling it through my diaphragm. Mm -hmm. They're a lot harder and less in the legs. But when you don't have that trunk stability there, then we lack glute activation. When we lack glute activation, our hip flexors take over and those get super, super tight and they start to do all the work to overcompensate for lack of glutes. That's how people get bad hips. Well, that, and that's how you see people start to get hunched over because they get pulled by their hip flexors. So they start to get pulled forward oh, and they man. don't, since they don't have trunk stability, they lost a lot of good glute activation. They don't have that muscle or that strength back there to help straighten out. Damn. So the diaphragm and breathing properly affects so many different avenues. It's crazy. It all starts with diaphragmatic breathing.
Right. And that's what makes us a little different because we get into that and that it just, it's the root of all. Like I, I, you know, want to say I drank the Kool-Aid or not, but like that's the root of it all. Sippy like, sip, boy. Look, if it helps that Chris Hemsworth, Thor, four, four worded a book that has that and functional training and movement. Like if that helps you with credibility, but yeah, I've been, uh, been enjoying this book to say the least. <laughs> like yeah. I said, I apologize getting on that ramp, but no, and you would have never so, even found out about the book if it wasn't for the job too. Like yeah. you can learn outside of that book. You've been learning a lot of good I things. A lot there drinking water from a what'd you learn at school today, Colin? Pretty, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Awesome. Ain't no joke, but yeah, it's, it's going really well. And so, um, yeah, so our, our newest doc, uh, gave me that book. So it seems like it's, it's a fairly, it's not too big of a book. No, no, it's a pretty quick, easy read. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not too complex. It's, he does a good job of having, you know, the good terminology with it, but also making sure it's, it's clear to the average reader too. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And he has pictures with it too. And like posturally with a real person, you can see what he's talking about, like the forward head and shoulders. So, uh, yeah, great book. Good, uh, good read. Uh, very informational. So I'm really, really having a good time going through this and uh yeah man like i said starts in the diaphragm yeah starts with breathing uh but i know the other day you uh you and i were were talking and you want to bring up something that kind of hit close close to home for you with this next episode um so i'd like to before that kind of slips my mind kind of get into that a little bit oh yeah i think it's something that because i wanted you to save it in hopes that we would make it to the studio um, yeah. today. So no, I think it's something everybody faces, man. It's uh, I'm sure everyone's been in a position where they've moved to a completely new geographic area, whether it's a new city for college, uh, whether it's a new city if you're moving when you're in your childhood, uh, if you're if you graduated college and moved to a new city for your permanent job. It's kind of the one that hit me when I came out of college. And we talk about depression on here. Um, and this is, they call this relocation depression. Um, so I guess, I don't know how they want to group it under that, but for so long where we live in a life that we're comfortable with, um, all related to college, like college is fun. Like you have a group of friends there, you have a community, you have a network, you have a stability that is comfortable, comfortable to you and that you like. Um, and you've been on, you've been doing that for so long and you like it. And towards the end, you're like, Oh, I'm ready for something new. But at the same time, when you go to that new place, you graduate college and you kind of leave that life behind and you go to this new place where at first it seems like, oh, this is nice. It's new. I mean, I, I, I live in a new, a new apartment complex with a pool. Like, this is cool. This is awesome. It kind of feels like vacation because right, it's, yeah. it's new. Like you're, you're so excited to get your apartment set up and get your bed made and your, naturally your, de curious your, your about desk it all. set up. Like you're excited. You're yeah. excited to be there. feels good. You're on feels kind of like a vacation type of thing because yeah. it's new and then you're there for like a couple of weeks and you start to realize like okay this is my new life and I don't have anything from my old life that I have now and I'm not sure how that makes me feel kind of it doesn't make me feel the best like those friends and, the, and that network and what you had before you loved it so much and you realize now that it's gone and it's gone forever is what it seems like because you're in a new new place that kind of brings a sort of sadness over you because you don't have that to a okay. degree and i think that's where kind of a lot of this relocation depression comes from so um, you're referring to like whether it's 
college to a, a new job or whether it's moving from one yeah. city to another for whatever reason. Right. A new so environment. just type of big environmental yeah. change. That doesn't have the things that you had before in your other sure. environment. And so, it takes away from your happiness because the reality starts to set in that you don't have that anymore and that you're in this new place and you're kind of stuck in this new place. It's yeah. what it seems like. And it doesn't feel good. And even it, if your new situation is was good. for good. Yeah. For a good reason. And you'll start to notice that too, because you won't be overall as happy. It'll start to affect your enjoyment out of the things you're doing there in the present moment. You're stuck kind of thinking about the past. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people face this. I know like, and you can just tell with some people that you talk to after college, like if you go back and you talk to an old friend, you can tell that they're not as happy as what they were in college. Like you knew someone in college and every time you saw them in college, like they were happy and upbeat and they were loving life. Yeah. But do you see some of those people now and you, you can just tell they don't have their, that twinkle in their eye anymore. And you can kind of tell that there is a part of them that is missing not only in their personality from what you can tell face to face, but you can kind of tell there's something deeper within them. And a lot of people won't open up about that. And I know I kind of face a little bit about that coming out of college with the new area. Cause I love college and yeah. my new situation, it was, it was safe and secure and it was nice and I loved it, but it wasn't, I didn't, there were some things in my new life that I didn't have anymore that I liked in college and it kind of does affect you in a way, but I think it's important to be aware of that. And there's things that you can do to kind of bring yourself out of that, which I think a lot of people don't know how to always get around to, but. Okay. So let's get back to that and some things like to do to help. Yeah. Kind of deal with that. What I had, some, I had some thoughts as you were going. What do you so, think? So do you think, and you know, as, as you were talking, they were kind of come coming to me, but do you think part of that has to do, because I dealt with the same thing, like coming out of school, uh, school, got a new job, found a new place to, to move into, had two roommates, they were buddies, you know, so everything was, was going well. And, you know, there was personal stuff going on and then realizing that I wasn't doing what I was, you know, quote unquote, meant to do in my mm -hmm. mind. And then with just everything new life, you know, from getting my own credit card, like, you know, there were a couple of times I had a mental breakdown and was in tears, just like, you know, with that relocation, but with environmental of different since, mm. you know, we went to Butler and now we're in Indy too. So it's like same city, but still such a difference in environment and living on your own, even with roommates, you're still right. on your own, you know, and that college, that college bubble and lifestyle, you kind of, you had everything around you that you needed. You had your friends, you know, maybe you were further away from family, but at least you had like that big support. So you got comfortable with that. So mm -hmm. I think part of this comes from losing what we got comfortable with. Yeah. And so we change that. And it's like, you're kind of starting over, even though if you move in with some friends or there's a lot of friends still in the same city, there's a lot of friends of mine in the same city that I don't see very often. Mm -hmm. And it's also, you know, dealing with that. And it's life. It's everyone trying to do this or that. Like us, we spend a lot of time in this. So we see less people or people see us less because we spend so much time for the podcast business. Um, so I think it's part of losing what's comfortable. And then mm -hmm. part of what happened, I know for a fact me is I lost who I was like college by the time, like, you know, whether you're in a fraternity sorority or just this club or that club, you kind of find yourself and you're kind of figuring out yeah. what you like, what you don't like, the kind of people you want to be surrounded by. 
And so you're kind of in this groove, you find out who you are, and then you think you have an idea of what you should do after school. And then you try it out, maybe you love it, it works out, and maybe it's just like, this is not it. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's like, like I said, for me, that smacked me in the face really, really hard. Yeah. And that like, that, like I said, with personal stuff, with relationship things, it caused me to go in my depression. Yeah. And that was just, that was a solid rock bottom. And so it was just like, I think losing comfortability and starting over and trying to find out who you are again, what you're meant to do in this world. Yeah. Cause there's so many avenues to take. Right. But it's like, as we talk about plenty of times, chasing what is truly in your best interest mm -hmm. for you and what you're interested in, what you're good at doing, what you love to do and how it's going to give back. Yeah. Cause you can make money doing whatever that thing right. is. And so no I, I think, I think those are a few things that I'm sure there's plenty of other things, but oh, yeah. I think for the sake of like our situations and how close you and I are, we kind of right. know what we're each going through all the time. But I think those are a few things. Yeah. Of, and it's important to recognize and be aware that it's okay to have different paths. Like there's no right path. Like, cause we, we, we went the educational route and we got a major, a degree in a specific study. And so our, our, our minds are kind of attached to that path that we had laid out for ourselves in college. And you're, and you think that that should lead you down a specific path because you did that major and anyth right. anything that deviates from that path is, is, is seen as risky by whether yourself, your parents or the people around you. And it kind of, it, it kind of gives you anxiety to the point. Cause when you get out of college, you realize that what you were studying for four years, isn't really what you really want to do full time. Sure. And that, that, that can set in sometimes to some people and the, like, we, we, we like we're in business. So it, it's important to recognize that the things we study can be applied to a lot of different things within us, but it, it is, I mean, it's an important thing to be aware about and, and it all goes back to that self-awareness and knowing what you're good at and what you love doing. Um, Which is hard. That takes a while. Yeah. You know, yeah. Some it's you're faster expecting, than others. You're, but you're, you're not expect that to know that right away. Yeah. But try to actively search it. If, yeah. If you don't go out and, and go search for it and talk to people about it, then I mean, you might not. How are you? It. How are you going to help yourself get closer to that? Because it is out there for every single person on this earth. It's out there. But you decide who you want to talk to and what you want to do today to get you closer to it. Because people are so focused on looking at the mountain in the distance the pile of money that's on the top of the mountain, the, the nice house on the hill, the, the comfort of everything. They're so busy looking at that that they're tripping on the shrubs that are right in front of their feet. And I think wow. it's important to just look at, wow. look at each day like that. And okay. Don't focus. Yeah. Like it's just, I like that a lot. This world is just too interesting to not slow down and, and, and look at all that's going on around us. Cause and the people who are around us. Yeah. So. Wow. I like that analogy. That was, I'm going to use that. Bet. I'm going to take that. I'll give you credit most of the time. Bet. I appreciate that. <laughs> Vote me. Um, Tag me. At me, bro. Man. Yeah. And so we kind of did lead into it, but any other uh, tips, tricks, advice to those like who are just, yeah. it's hitting them hard right now. I mean, it's always easier said than done, but from, from our own experiences, uh, any other things mm -hmm. that you would advise that people like, Hey, try this or that yeah. and see if it helps like subside some right. of that. Number one thing for me, I kept my current relationships, my close relationships strong. 
if and stronger. Like the people who are close to me and who have always been close to me in my life. Keep keep those people close because those are the people that are going to be for you, be there for you, whether you're failing, whether you're winning, whether you're sad, whether you're happy, whether you're a douche, whether you're not. The people that love you for who you really are, make sure those people are still in your life and are still close to you and talking to you on a day, like frequently. Okay. Because those people are important and you need those people in your life to be honest with and tell things about. So that, that's the first step. Cause that's, that keeps part of your old life, your quote unquote old life. Those people, as long as those people are still in your life, that will give you a sense of love at the same time. Yeah. Like that okay. will keep, that will, that's a, a good part of your life that you always need to keep there. That's, that's the first good. thing I would do. Um, introduce familiarity into your new life that you're in, like bring things that were in your old life. Like whether it's things you can put around the apartment, whether it's, it's, things that you used to do in your old life that you can keep on doing, like working out in the morning. If that made you feel good in your old life, keep on doing that now. Different familiar things, practices, processes that you do, habits, keep those in your, keep those in your life. Cause that also brings the familiarity back in and just get to know your new city, man. Get to know your situation. Do something crazy. Go out, go and put yourself out there. Go run for a leadership position at your new college. Go run for a chairman of some board at whatever company you're at when i say chairman of some board i mean like an extracurricular group sure go, yeah. go join something you're something interested extra. in go yeah. join something you're interested in and do something that you normally wouldn't do because you never know whether you're gonna like it or not yeah <laughs> like what do you have to lose yeah do something crazy you'll be in the same spot get as you know. were before <laughs> yeah get to get to know people because people are cool man and you may find that there's someone out there in your new situation at your new college who's experiencing the exact same thing you are yeah so how are you going to discover those people you don't go out and talk to people that's awesome there's someone just like you out there for sure i like that a lot those are good yeah. those are really really good yeah um man you've been on a little roll today <laughs> hey i'm glad I we like that i'm glad we recorded tonight man um yeah the only thing i'd i'd add is also kind of similar to you said one of the famili familiarity familiarities familiar it's a tough word all right you know what i'm trying I to say with it too, yeah honestly so and kind of like one of the mantras of like the rock when he talks about everyone needs their anchor mm -hmm. so and we've talked about pockets of peace before you know find that pocket of peace of what gives you your inner peace where it makes you feel good where you're just the most you doing that so like whether it's you know you love to play basketball that kind of gives you your your zen if you will of like your most with yourself during some of those times mm -hmm. or like what keeps you sane like when you're really going through the hard times like you know whether it could be the gym there's a lot of people where the gym keeps them going where they take some frustrations out where like sometimes iron has been their greatest therapist you know yeah there are those people what maybe it's making music to where you just let it all out and making music or you write whatever it is just do not lose that because i think that's when you get in some real trouble is mm -hmm. when you lose that Cause you get the, oh, I just kind of want to lay around. I don't want to go do too much. It's hard to do things for yourself after you're done doing things for someone else for how many hours mm -hmm. in the day you go to work. Yeah. But you need to keep it to make it through. Cause the only way up is through, you will get through it. And as long as you're, as Tim said, still actively searching for things to change your situation, it's hard to do, but you have to keep on that. But your anchor, mm -hmm. your pocket of peace, whatever keeps you ticking that you really look forward to day in and day out, do not lose that. Right. But I man, love that. man, you railed it. Yeah. And I like that follow up too. Keep things familiar and just be curious. Yeah. 
Yeah, you. Uh, That's the name of the you game. You nailed that dude. on the head. You already know. Wow, man, I. Uh, I think I'm cool wrapping it there. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm good ending on that note. I think people are gonna get a lot from this episode, man. I hope so. I really hope hope this helps somebody who's uh, got any type of depression. But yeah, relocation—that's a big thing. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that Everyone up the other faces day. Everyone faces that. To some, I, I'm a for like people face that to some type of degree because yeah. you're changing. You you have something that you, or you don't have something that you used to have. It's yeah. tough, man. It's a tough thing. It's and a tough it's okay that you need to go through it. Like you know, yeah. it's just. Yeah, try those few things, man. Yeah. You had some good tips for people too. So I hope, yeah, hopefully uh, this helps uh, at least one person. That's why we do it. Just one person and we're good. Go out there. Be thankful too. Be thankful for the people around you. Tell someone you love them today, for sure. Keep those keep those relationships strong and close that you do have because those are always going to be there no matter where you're at in this earth. Speaking of being thankful, thankful to all the listeners for your time, uh, for your energy, and let helping us kind of just giving us a platform and and listening to us we appreciate it we love you and on that note until next time we'll see you later